Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Junkyard Dogcast, everybody. I'm Jake Rowe, Dogs 24-7. With me, Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell of Dogs 24-7. Big game coming up for Georgia. And, guys, I'm telling you right now, like it almost breaks my heart because Georgia's to the end of conference play, meaning that the season, the, the season finale is almost here. And from here on out, uh, it's just kind of we're, we're in the short rows, as my grandpa would say. Uh, it's the season's almost over. We got about, I guess, about a month and a half left in it, and uh, kind of bittersweet, man. You wait all season long for it to get here, and then it's over. Uh, but it, it, you know, this one's a big one for Georgia. They got to win uh, against Texas A&M, uh, clear this hurdle. I think you know Georgia Tech's playing well right now against NC State, but I think Georgia's going to be favored three, maybe four scores in that one. So this one's the last major test for the Bulldogs, and and uh, good things it's home, and and it's going to be senior night. And uh, before we get into really anything about the game itself and start breaking it down, guys, I wanted to give us all a chance to talk about these seniors a little bit and kind of what they've meant to the program. Rusty, I'll start with you. Just some quick thoughts, man, on on this senior class uh, comprised mainly of Kirby Smart's first class, not first full class, but but the class he inherited, took over, got signed, and, and coached up for four years. You know, I think there's a lot you can peel back with, with looking at with, you know, looking at these guys. But one thing I think kind of stands out is the is the uh transfers. You look at J.R. Reed and, and what a you know, obviously with um you know, how he got here and wasn't the heralded guy in that, you know, D'Angelo Gibbs was the guy and, you know, JRE was kind of the afterthought in that, in that probably package deal, um, you know, coming over from Tulsa, but it didn't take long for the buzz about JRE and how, how good he showed, uh, on the transfer year, uh, that he could be a player and man, what a steal they get in JRE, you know, another unheralded guy, you look at, I think the the theme of this class is is kind of under the radar guys. You look at Tay Crowder, who was a last minute running back commit. Look what he's wind up doing, uh, you know, in this class. You look at Brian Herring, who was a guy that kind of blew up after signing day. You know, a young man out of uh, you know, the Douglas Douglasville area, and and you know, it's really not to me about uh, you know all the big time guys. I think it's the guys that kind of came here unheralded. Uh, a little bit undersized. Look at Tyreek McGee, a little undersized player. But J.R. Reed, Tate Crowder, and Brian Herring are three very important pieces of the puzzle for the Georgia Bulldogs. And when those guys at whatever time signed, you know, I'm just going to be honest, they didn't really move the needle. But look what the players they are, and all three of those guys are going to be Sunday players. What about you, Kip? What's kind of some impressions you've gotten from this senior class over the last four or five years? 
Yeah, just continue what Rusty said. I mean, uh, Brian Herring, a guy that's, you know, averaged over five yards a carry, uh, 1,300 yards already with a couple games left to go. I mean, he's been, you know, even though he's not the the feature back, but he's been kind of the heart and soul of, of this offense and a guy that, you know, has been a leader in, the, in this locker room, a guy that everyone can depend on. And then continuing on that that path of guys that were kind of less heralded you look at the defense and that defensive line class they brought in that first year you know everyone everyone looked at Mikael Carter everyone looked at Julian Rochester uh, but Tyler Clark a guy coming back for uh you know his senior year and, and leads the team in tackles for loss right now he's been playing some really outstanding football the last couple of games has been a key part of that three-man front and has been a big impact guy for Georgia during his tenure. And, I mean, Rodrigo Blankenship, you know, uh, another guy that just had an outstanding career, uh, former walk-on, obviously, you know, doesn't not getting a lot of love there. But, I mean, he's absolutely one of the best kickers in the country, a guy they can definitely depend on. And they know that on kickoffs, that ball is more, more likely not, unless he was told to, it's probably going through the end zone. And, you know, been outstanding on PATs and, the, the you know field goals you know from 40 yards and in he's been you know fairly automatic and, and so a, a big impact guy there it's just uh this whole class you know from from top to bottom there are guys in each facet of the game that have that played a big role here and you know they came in here uh, and, and have you know everything in front of them still to play for as seniors and i mean for senior night what more can you want for than a chance to stay in the playoff hunt and have a chance to to go into Atlanta, a chance to return to the college football playoff. You know, they got a taste two years ago, and they have a chance to go back. So, I mean, I, there, there's definitely some impact guys and guys that have definitely set the bar uh, for for these future guy future classes at Georgia as far as what you can accomplish in four years if you come to Georgia. Yeah, no doubt about it. And what I want to say about this class is this. You know, there, there are a handful of fifth-year seniors. You got Rodrigo, Michael Barnett, Tay Crowder, Justin Young. And, you know, I think, you know, J.R. Reed probably fits into that too. But I'm talking about guys that have been at Georgia for five years. And at different points in their career, for Rodrigo, it was right there in the middle of year one when his dad was writing open letters and all that stuff. For Michael Barnett, it was probably – when he got moved over to offensive tackle there and and Kirby Smart's first year, Tay Crowder also was in that position move there. Uh, And, um, you know, Justin Young, after not playing hardly at all in 2017 and 2018, all of these guys were given up on at some point by by Georgia fans. Heck, probably by us in in some way. Uh, But but it just goes to show that you just don't – you never really can give up on these guys. They are what they are. Just isn't really. Uh, uh, it really isn't accurate. You know, if these guys stick it out and they continue to work hard, you never know when they might find their niche and and when they might you know kind of mature and come on as a football player. And all four of those guys are playing a big role for Georgia. I mean, Justin Young's playing a lot of snaps. Tay Crowder and Michael Barnett are absolutely playing a lot of snaps. Uh, you know, and then then obviously Rodrigo has put together a really. Uh, awesome career at Georgia and, and has done some awesome things for the Bulldogs. Also look at how the senior class has done against Georgia's main rivals and uh, pretty impressive. I mean, they're, they're three and one against Florida. I think they're four and one against Auburn. 
Uh, they've um, they've uh, you know they're two and one against Tech right now with a chance to go three and one. And uh, you know they they've kind of whipped up on Tennessee a little bit too, a couple of uh, or actually three and one now with, with a you know three blowouts. So uh, you know this this class has had a really successful career. And and listen, it's not loaded with NFL players, uh, guys that are going to be drafting the first round or anything like that. But but I don't think it can be debated that, that they've meant a lot to the university and they've had all solid careers and. And uh, there have been some guys that have stepped up for Georgia in a pinch and, some, like you guys said, some really unheralded football players who, who found a way to impact this program the best way they could. And, and uh, ultimately, uh, all the goals are still ahead of them. Uh, let's jump into Texas A&M, guys. And just real quick, um, Kit, we'll start with you. Texas A&M, trap game? This is a game that you should definitely be worried about if you're Georgia because – I mean, you look at these two teams, they're very similar. It's it's almost it, – it's pretty scary how Texas A&M's, you know, their their blueprint is Georgia's blueprint. I mean, you look at what they want to do on offense, they want to own the time of possession battle. And, and I looked, and at the time of possession, as far as who's who's been doing well this year, I look at Georgia, obviously they're 12th in the country. That's what they want to do. They want to grind it out, long drives. Well – Texas A&M, ninth in the country in, in time of possession. You know, they they try to do exactly what Georgia does, and in some facets, they're doing a better job. I mean, both teams are outstanding third down uh, third down defense. I believe that uh, Georgia's in there in the top 10, Texas A&M 13th. Third down conversions on offense, again, extending drives. Uh, Georgia is a team that is just outside the top 30, the 35, I believe. Texas A&M is 36. So, and you continue that to special teams. I mean, I, I think one of the biggest surprises this week is the fact that Texas A&M, their, their punter, uh, Braden Mann, the Ray Guy winner last year, was left off the finalists this week for that award. And he's third in the country at 48.2 yards per punt. So again, you continue to look at the similarities between these two teams that they extend onto special teams as well. So yeah, if you're Georgia, you're looking at this team going, well, they like to do what we like to do, and they're doing a pretty dang good job of it. So I mean, we definitely have to bring our A game this weekend. Rusty, what about you? Trap game? I mean, if Georgia, and, and I don't think Georgia players are, but if the Georgia fan base thinks this is a trap game, Georgia's in trouble. This is a team that can beat you. They have not played up to their potential all year. In my opinion, they've had some different issues. But when Texas A&M trots out on the field on Saturday, they're going to look like Georgia. They got big wide receivers, long, freaky wide receivers. They got big defensive linemen. They got big offensive linemen. Um, You know, I, I do think Georgia. Let me make this clear. I do think Georgia is a better team, but this is a game that Georgia very well could be in for a dog fight. I went back and looked at my prediction from August the first, and I had this game thirty-one to thirty, and you know that was kind of preseason, assuming some things. But you know they got a big athletic quarterback that at times has made some bad decisions, but at times he's played well and he can hurt you with his legs. So. You know, it, it's been for me because we covered Georgia. 
uh, and we kind of see the pulse of the fans based off our communities. And I'm telling you now, there's some people around here that think this is going to be a, uh, you know, a 14, 21 point win. And I, I don't see it. This, this team is coming here one, four in a row and they got some freaking play. They got some NFL dudes, a bunch of NFL guys uh, on their roster. So I'm just telling you, this is, I don't think Georgia players, but I think the fan base is really underestimating what's about to walk into Sanford Stadium on Saturday. You know, just from an emotional standpoint, I think it's a trap game because, man, I mean, the energy Georgia's had to expend the past, you know, three weeks since the bye for Florida, for Missouri, for for Auburn, uh, you know, going on the road, getting that huge win. I think it's a big-time test. I mean, I obviously like Georgia's talent. I think Georgia's defense matches up well with anybody's offense just because of how sound the Bulldogs are from front to back. It's not one of those – one thing about Georgia's defense is the fact that it's not one of those, like, they create a lot of negative plays, so they get you behind the chains. The secondary is not that great, but then they get you in a lot of negative – no, it's not like that. It's it's not like, well, they stop – they're really good against the pass, but you can get them with a run. No, they're really good at stopping a run. They can create negative plays. They, they're they really good against the pass. They tackle well. I mean, this is a really good all-around defense, so it matches up well with anybody. I look at how Kellen Mond has, has played on the road in his career, and it hasn't been very good. Um, obviously, there's, there's a chance to kind of get that monkey off your back here uh, coming into Athens. I, I will say this, and I've noted this multiple times already, uh, this environment's not going to spook Texas A&M at all. Uh, but this environment, I mean, you know, Athens is going to be rocking. It's going to be loud. There's going to be, you know, these these students are going to have a blast on the final home game of the season and, and right before they cut loose and go home for Christmas break and all that stuff. I mean, not Christmas break, Thanksgiving break. But um, uh, Texas A&M played at Clemson earlier this year. Uh, they, they played at Alabama last year. Uh, that you know they've played in some really raucous environments. Kyle Field's a big, big time environment as well. So I, I don't think they're going to be intimidated. And I'm kind of with Rusty. I kind of expect this one to be a pretty close game. But I do like Georgia to uh, to 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 win it. And I, we'll go into our picks a little later on. Let's jump into a break real quick. Let these folks read their ads, and then we'll on our way back. On our I'm sorry when we come back, uh, we'll, we'll talk about we'll do old timer, new timer, and we'll make our picks. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, guys, let's talk about who we think is going to play well in this one. And, Kip, I'm going to start with you. Give me an old-timer or a new-timer that you think kind of have a chance to, to show out against Texas A&M. Well, I guess my, my new-timer, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Aziz Ojolari. Obviously, as, as Rusty and I have said at this point, none of the freshmen are, are really – young guys anymore but we're sticking with that as far as just you know picking a freshman to shine i think that you know when you look at what aziz has been able to do as far as affecting the quarterback and and how he's kind of come on and then played really well for georgia 
I think it sets up well for him against Texas A&M's offensive line. They've they've kind of struggled against guys with speed, explosive, more explosive edge guys, and uh, they are, I believe, the worst team in the SEC as far as uh, allowing sacks. Now, granted, some of that is is going to on Kellen Mond and how long he's he's back there trying to find somebody downfield. But at the same time, I think with Georgia's secondary and just the way Aziz is playing, I think he's going to have time to to get to Calamon, which is obviously going to be a key for this game. So he's my young guy uh, to uh, the click in this game. And, and I think just with, what Georgia needs to do offensively, I mean, the real easy pick here to have a big game is DeAndre Swift and, and what could be his last game in Athens as a junior, being a draft-eligible player. I, I think this game sets up well for, for Swift to get to that that second level. I, I think, again, on the inside, on the interior line for, for Texas A&M, they got some hosses down there, some guys that can really take on blockers and, and you know some, some guys who could take on multiple gaps, and, and that's going to be a challenge uh for Georgia's offensive line but I think that you know if they can get Swift outside a little bit and, and get him to that second level I think he's set up to have a you know a, over 100 yards of, of offense this game and maybe get a score or two for Georgia Rusty who you got pick man I mean is it every week but I'll I'll stay away from 71 cuz that's too easy um you know for my I guess I guess he's an and halfway between her at this point. And I mentioned this last week, and it's a thing I've been watching Kirby Smart and, and Dan Lanning and those guys do this now for about four or five games. They did it last week a couple of times on third down. Uh, they ran the stunt with Adam Anderson that uh, wind up freeing up Trayvon Walker. But they play Adam Anderson when they have a quarterback that can run on those downs. And as Kip brought up, you know, the tendency to give up a few sacks or maybe he holds on the ball a little bit longer. Uh, you know, I, I do think Adam Anderson's behind some guys, but I know Adam and I know what type of player he is. And when you can turn him loose and say, go get him, that is when Adam Anderson is at his best. And uh, I just think that, uh, and, and well, I'll say this, he jumped off sides a couple weeks ago, almost jumped off sides. Uh, in the Florida game on a critical third downing and was able to get back. So he's got to watch that, trying to time plays up. But uh, I just think Adam Anderson can be a guy that can create two or three, maybe two negative plays for you uh, in, in this game and and keeping uh, Kellen Mond from thinking about taking off because you're looking at a guy at six foot five over there can run, you know, probably faster than you can. So you start thinking a little bit as a quarterback. Um, you know, my, my, my newcomer, newcomer, uh, would be Trayvon Walker because I think uh, as we talked, you know, on the, earlier this week that he is no longer that freshman guy. He's starting to get meaningful reps, and when you look at an athletic guy like that, it's 280 pounds now, six foot five. Uh, he's a problem. You saw what he did last week. Uh, I, I watched him on. I went back and watched the game. I watched him on plays where they ran the ball at him, and he was able to control his gap. You know, all that's big. That gap integrity stuff is huge for this defense. The way they scheme it up, uh, I just think that Trayvon Walker is a guy that is going to continue to get better. And, man, he's going to be a big piece of the puzzle, um, you know, Saturday, next week. But he's going to be a really big piece of the puzzle 
you know, as Georgia tries to create some havoc, uh, likely against LSU uh, in that Mercedes-Benz. But I'll go with two defensive guys. Uh, you know, I think the obvious choice is what Kip said. DeAndre Swift, if this weather looks the way it's going to be, uh, I can't see Georgia firing the ball around. I can't see them doing anything but trying to run the ball and control this clock. So uh, I think DeAndre Swift will get a lot of touches. But I'll go with two defensive guys. I'll go Trayvon Walker, and I'll go Adam Anderson. You know, Rusty, you can correct me here because I think you've got a better read on it. But wasn't it about this time last year, right around that Auburn game last year, Kentucky game in November, that, that Adam Anderson started to kind of get going? They, they started to use him as that spy against those mobile quarterbacks? Yeah, the first time you saw that was against Kentucky. Were there, yeah. were there, that was the first time you saw him on third down in the, in, in the inside linebacker position as a spy. Uh, they inserted Jordan Davis, and then they put Adam Anderson in behind him, and things kind of really got to roll. So, uh, you know, as far as an every-down player right now, Adam Adam doesn't have the, the weight to do it right now. You know, it doesn't mean he won't get there. It took DeAndre Walker three years to get to 245. Uh, but I'll say this. When you turn him loose and as fast as that guy, I, I, I would guarantee you he runs low 4-5. Guarantee you he ran the third leg of the 100 for Rome here. Uh, on a great four by one team, this dude can roll now. Uh, needs a little more, needs a little more, you know, junk in the trunk, as so to speak, to to be able to hold up to these SEC guys at the point of attack. But when it is a blitzing down, a passing down, and they turn him loose, Adam Anderson is a problem. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And it's kind of been disheartening a little bit this year to have so many questions about where's Adam Anderson. I mean. Listen, he's been playing on third down all year long. Uh, you know, it's, it, he's going to show up more against these mobile quarterbacks because, you know, then then he's able to kind of spy him and, and help help keep him in the pocket. He actually played well against Notre Dame. I thought was kind of mirroring Ian Book there on third down a little bit. But Adam Anderson's fine. Adam Anderson's playing a big role on this team. I mean, listen, third down's the money down, and they trust him to go in there and do some do some really difficult stuff for him, and he's going to be back up to it again in this one. He's going to be up to it next week, more than likely going to be doing it against LSU. I think he could be a key player for Georgia down the stretch just in general, uh, whether it's Joe Burrow back there or Kellen Mond or whoever. Uh, I'm going to go on the offensive side of the ball, and I'm going to do like Kip. I'm going to pick a redshirt freshman here. I don't know why. Maybe it's because I've kind of had late season circled as as when this guy kind of busts out and has a big play. But I'm going to pick Zamir White. I think that you know at some point in this game against Texas A&M, a defense that's averaging almost five yards a carry, giving up almost five yards a carry to SEC opponents. I think Zamir is going to pop one off of left guard, left tackle somewhere, and and uh, and and maybe not house it, but but bite off a chunk play and kind of get everybody fired up. I just think he's a downhill bruising style running back that can have some success with that. Maybe against the Texas A&M defense that's that that's big. He's big and long, but it's 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 faster than it is massive. You know, they don't really have that Jordan Davis style guy in there. They don't have the 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 linebackers. Uh, you know, that quite stack up to a guy like Quay Walker or or, or even Tay Crowder right there in that two hundred thirty five pound range. They've got some fast guys though and some long guys. But I, but I think Zamir White can can get it going. As far as veterans go, um, you know I've kind of been bouncing around with the wide receivers this week because yeah, it's going to rain and there may be a little bit of a wet ball, but I, I don't expect it to be like it was against Kentucky whenever it rained basically for you know 15 straight hours steady. Uh, 
I, I, I've picked him a couple times this year, and he's kind of let me down. But but I like Demetrius Robertson in this one. I think Demetrius is going to come up with some with some catches, whether it's the the deep over route, whether it's that deep out route that he catches from Jake Fromm, slot fade, whatever it may be. I think Demetrius Robertson is going to come up with a play or two in this game. And, you know, he, he's caught some touchdown passes for Georgia. He's made some plays. And uh, I really think this is a game where he can kind of step out and, and, and kind of help this team in a big way win a football game. I mean, he caught a big big touchdown pass against South Carolina uh, that, that helped tie that game, and Georgia wasn't able to win it. But but he's been quiet a little bit here of late, and I think he's a guy that can kind of step up and have a big game. I really like him on that slot fade route where Georgia gets vertical and, and takes advantage of, of, uh, of the opposing team trying to press that guy in the slot. I think he can kind of bust out and make a big play. All right, guys, it's time for picks. Rusty, start us off. Weather concerns me, uh, and, and I don't think it's – agree with you, I don't think it's going to be anything like uh, Kentucky because that was basically a tropical storm. The wind was what was bad that day. Um, the, the amount of rain wasn't really the problem. It, it did get – soak it down but it was the wind that caused the problems against kentucky seems like this is going to be more rain um you know calling for maybe an inch now uh during the day on saturday but you know you look at this and uh um, georgia is built to to grind on you to wear on you uh you know deandre swift is a is a home run threat every single play uh, and I, I just feel like this is going to be one of those games. It could be a Kentucky deal where a turnover on special teams changes the changes the game. Um, you know, this is uh, we we talked about after the South Carolina loss when everybody was you know the board was a mess, people were folding shop. This has got to change. This has got to change. I kept saying you're going to find out because all the answers are going to be there about Georgia. We can say what we want. Kip can write any article. Jake can write any article. And I can write any article. You're going to get your answers about Georgia. Uh, we've gotten them. They, they've been focused. They've done what they needed to do. They went into a, a top 10 matchup with Florida. One, they went on the road at Auburn, which is very hard to do. Went over two years ago and got absolutely spanked, boat raced out of that building. Went over this weekend and won. I, if this team is who I think they are still and, and the focus is them, they're going to handle this game. But I absolutely think this is going to be a four-quarter game with Texas A&M. I got Georgia 20, uh, Texas A&M 14. All right, Kip, what you got, man? One thing uh, that I want to point out that hasn't really been discussed is, once again, uh, Georgia's got to face a heck of a tight end on Texas A&M, and they faced some really good ones. Kyle Pitts, Cole Komet, uh, Albert uh, Okabunum. These guys are all, you know, grown men, and they, they some of them have put up some numbers against Georgia. But look at true freshman Jalen uh, Wittermeyer for, for Texas A&M. This guy's averaging over 15 yards a catch. He's got six touchdown catches. He's 6'5", 260 pounds. He's going to be a problem. And then when you, we talk about the guys that Rusty kind of mentioned, you know, Jamon Osmond, Courtney Davis, Kendrick Rogers, these guys are all over 6'2", 200 pounds. Uh, Kendrick's 6'4". These are big jokers catching passes downfield uh, for Texas A&M. I, I expect, regardless of weather, I, I think that Kellen Mond, they're, they're going to take some shots. I think early in the game, they're going to connect on a, a couple of those. Now, granted, I do think it gives Georgia a chance to, to make a big play, force a turnover, and it's happened to Texas A&M this year. 
But I think early in the game, you could see them, you know, put, you know, move the ball downfield really quickly and maybe, you know, go up 10 to nothing in a hostile environment. But I, I think that over the course of the game, Georgia settles in. And again, I, I, I question Texas A&M's ability to consistently run the ball against Georgia because honestly, no one's really been able to. I mean, uh, that not a single team has run for five yards per carry against Georgia. And I think only one, I think Kentucky's the only one that, that had more than four yards per carry uh, against Georgia this year. Uh, you know, Georgia's allowing like 2.7 yards per carry right now. I don't think that even though Texas A&M's running backs have played better as of late, I don't think they can get that done against Georgia. I have to look at the guys that Texas A&M has kind of played over the last couple of weeks. You look at that schedule, you know, it's kind of skewed the stats a little bit. Playing teams like Texas, San Antonio, Mississippi State, you know, Old Miss. I, I think that the stats don't really tell it all in their running game. And I think Georgia's going to be, you know, tough, make it tough sledding for them. And I think the crowd's going to be a factor as, as well, you know, getting Georgia, helping Georgia get a couple penalties, you know, against Texas A&M offense. I think they turned the ball over a couple times. And I think Georgia kind of pulls away late in the game. I got them winning 27-17. I'm going to go ahead and say it. My gut feeling all week about this game is that Georgia's going to be in trouble. I, I, I've just had that kind of a gut feeling. But then I keep looking using my head instead of my gut. And I keep looking at the the, the kind of the numbers and the way the two teams match up. I mean, I know Texas a and playing better ball of late, but then you look at the schedule and this Ole Miss, Mississippi State, uh, UT San Antonio, and uh, and South Carolina, which is has kind of fallen apart. I mean, I was listening to David Jeremiah, or D- Daniel Jeremiah. I get those two guys mixed up. One's a televangelist. The other one's a uh, – <laughs> And they may be related. I'm not sure. One's a draft <laughs> expert. He he was talking about how Javon Kinlaw has really fallen off this year for South Carolina and how just the Gamecocks in general. I mean, they beat them last week without Brian Edwards. And uh, South Carolina seems to have kind of thrown in the towel a little bit on Will Muschamp over there. Uh, so I don't think they've really beaten any good teams. I, I look at Kellen Mond's record on the road, and all of that's kind of brought me back – to a point where I do like Georgia in this game, even though I still kind of think that it's – I still think there's going to be some adversity in this one for Georgia. I'm not super worried about the rain because um, I because I do think there are going to be dry points in this game. And, and you know, the there's a chance that the rain may have moved out by the time the game started. Uh, it might rain during the game uh, a little bit, but there's a chance that the, that the bulk of it's going to happen in the morning. Um, the one thing I like for Georgia in this one is I think Georgia – has, is finally going to get an opportunity against a team where it can run the ball throughout the game. I think that maybe maybe it's not ripping off explosive runs early, but I think Georgia's ability to move the chains early in this game is going to be the difference because I think it might take Texas A&M some time to settle in offensively and get it going, and I think Georgia can kind of start the wear-down process a little earlier. Uh, I think this one's going to be tied in, you know, into the third quarter, maybe into the fourth. But I think Georgia kind of scores late and and wins by a full score, maybe maybe two. Uh, but but I like Georgia in this one, 27-20. Uh, but but it's it's one of those where I do think Georgia's going to have to play well. I do think Georgia's going to have to face some adversity, and I do think uh, I do think Texas A&M is going to be the first team this season uh, to put 20 points on Georgia. And, and have a chance, you know, late in the game 
to to you know kind of have Georgia on their heels, I guess, a little bit late in the game. But but that's my prediction, and and ultimately, you know, I I want to say that that Georgia fans need to show up and show out for this one. Uh, you know, like I said, there there are a lot of really good, really cool guys, really good guys, seniors on this team. J.R. Reed, one of the coolest kids you'll ever deal with in the media. Have watched him kind of grow up and and become a star. Uh, you know, he's a semifinalist for the uh, semifinalist for the Thorpe and a and a finalist for the Nagurski. So. Uh, you know, Georgia's Georgia's got a lot of good players on this team. A lot of guys will be playing their last game in Sanford Stadium. That that includes DeAndre Swift and Andrew Thomas, potentially Jake Fromm. Even though you know it'll, it'll be interesting to see what he decides to do. There could be some more guys. So big night for those guys. Big night for Georgia because I really feel if they clear this huddle, they're going to be heavy favorites against Georgia Tech next weekend. And and uh, you know be, be you know have a chance to finish this season for the third year in a row, eleven and one and play in the SEC championship game in a play-in scenario for the college football playoff. But uh, for this show, for this Junkyard Dogcast, I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. They're Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell of Dogs 24-7. And we'll catch up with you guys later on. 